to say good morning, but it, it's not. It is a good morning. Yeah, it is. It is a good morning. <clears throat> All right. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast of All About Relationships. <clears throat> I knew that I could feel that. I know. About, about I living in transformed relationships. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, here we go. Thanks for joining us for this week's podcast. It is Live Transformed with Dr. Jim Richards and your host, me, Bob, <laughs> and my beautiful wife, Audrey. And, and beautiful, you have to call him beautiful or else he gets a No, he does no get, I know yeah. you're faking oh. it. See, now since she, since she had to tell you to I say to remind that, him. I know you're not sincere. Remember, we're supposed to call Jim beautiful. <laughs> Somebody got to. Yeah, seriously. Yeah, yeah. Well, this is episode number 217. Wow. You guys were doing this together. You've been with us for a long time. And some the whole time. I I really appreciate that. But I'm so thankful that you're taking the journey with us. Mm -hmm. And today, I'm actually, Audrey, really anticipating on where we will end. Yes. Of course. Yes. You know, I, I mean, we've we've talked, you know, just a little bit about it, but again, the journey that will take us there, mm-hmm. now that's that gets real exciting, but the destination, it's always good. I love that what Bob's saying is we're we're in for an adventure this time. Because yeah. mm-hmm. we started pre-talking about what we're going to talk about and it's good. So I'm glad you're here, All Dr. Right. Jim. You know Did you hear me? Did you hear I called you Dr. Was, Jim? <laughs> I need to get Nurse Brenda to come here. <laughs> You know, uh, one of the interesting things that uh, uh, there are certain, there are two things for sure uh-huh. that when you begin them, you never, as long as, long as you're just flowing, you never know where they're going to end. Ah. On the negative side, the Bible warns us that the deceitfulness of sin is the hardening of the heart. So ah. as your heart hardens and you become less sensitive to God, less sensitive to your own conscience, you know, you become you, you, you become less sensitive to when you're violating walking in love, then what happens is you are personally changing in the process of sin. Uh, of sin. In other words, you ah. as a person, you're changing. So that means that, you know, your values in a very short period of time, start to change. And so I always tell people, you know, this is all of these people that tell you sin ain't going to hurt you and, you know, yuck, yuck, yuck. It, you know, the thing I always tell people is like this. Here, here, is the, here is where you get deceived with sin. No matter where you start, you have no clue where it's going to end because you're changing. You know, uh, interesting. You know, wow. one, one of the reasons God does not day by day say, "Okay, here's your plan for life." Let me just tell you. Let me right. tell, here's my plan for you for life. Well, number one, you're going to change. Number two, circumstances mm-hmm. are going to change. Number two, people are going to change. The world is a dynamic place where the needs of people change constantly. So there is no static thing that God can say. This right here today is what wow. you're going to do, and uh, and this is you know da da da. So and that's why we're constantly co-creating with him because yeah. we're all we've got all these moving parts and we're being creative within what's happening. Oh, exactly. And so if you don't if you don't understand that concept of co-creation, we've talked about yes, this years a lot. Ago yes, mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. if you don't understand that, then you're going to look for static one-dimensional answers. Yeah. That. Even if you got the answer, 
tomorrow or a week from now, it might not work because because of yeah. what all has changed, the dynamic has changed. Well, yeah. in the sin in the sin continuum, we change, and therefore what we will allow ourselves to do, we can't even believe it. I mean, you know, I have done things in my life where, where right. I think, how did I do that? How, how did I get right. to a place to right. to be okay, you know, with this or with this attitude right. or whatever? How did my sensitivity or my sensors, so to speak, in my conscience, how did they get so dull, so yeah. numb that I was able to do that, whether yeah. it's, you know, lie or whatever? I mean, just why we don't want to get into all this stuff it leads to, but... The upside, see, and this is what I love, this is, this is what I love about the upside. The upside is the same. In other words, uh, once I start walking in righteousness, remember the Bible tells us in Romans, it says, I have not seen, ear has not heard. Mm-hmm. It, it, you haven't even ever been able to imagine wow. the good things that God has for you. So if God yes. told you, if God told you something phenomenal mm-hmm. that was going to happen in your life, the honest truth is maybe 10 or 15% of the believers would go, they would take hold of it and yeah. start listening to God and following mm-hmm. him. The hmm. major, the other 85 to 90% would actually, uh, would actually sabotage. Hmm. They would, they would destroy what God told them, the good things that God told them he was going to bring them into because they would feel unqualified because they wouldn't believe they could ever do it. I mean, you know, they would come up with some way to mm-hmm. sabotage Yes. And, uh, and so, you, you know, that's why I, I love this thing of just getting up every day, make sure you're fully committed to following Jesus with your whole heart. Yeah. Make sure you're fully committed to walking in love. And then you're open to anything. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. God can lead me today. Yes. Inch by inch and step by step. Yes, yes. And so when I get ready for that big thing down here on the end, and you know, right. it's, it's so odd. Everybody... Is kind of in neutral or in uh-huh. park. Yeah. And they're convincing themselves that when the big thing comes, that yeah. they're going to jump out there because they're, you know, they know they love God. They know they're as serious and faithful about God as, yeah. as you can be. But the problem is when you hit park or neutral, mm-hmm. you know, park says, I ain't moving until I know where I'm going. Right. Neutral says, <laughs> if the wind blows, it'll push me in some direction. In other words, circumstances oh, are, are going to lead me. interesting. So, so every day, if I am open to just whatever, wherever you're leading me today, God, you know, I'm going to get up and I'm going to be fully committed to Jesus as Lord. I'm going to follow him as Lord. Yeah. And I'm going to walk in love. So love is going to keep me within the bounds of God's, of God's intentions. And uh, uh, openness is going to keep my heart teachable. And so even though I don't know where I'm going to end, mm-hmm. I just know where I'm going to go today. The, yes. I, I know the only part of the journey that matters. And, and I, that's today. Yeah. Now, I know you guys have run into this, and so I'm not, I'm not trying to trample all over your—I your, uh, want to make sure you, you, you kind of speak in this, because, you know, the, the three of us probably one-on-one deal with more people in ministry one-on-one than almost anybody I've ever known. Right. You know, I mean, you guys deal with people one-on-one. You know, you're not you're not building your life and your ministry just on going in and speaking to groups of people. And you can always tell, by the way, when people do that. 
I can listen to somebody about five minutes, and I can tell if they actually ever talk to people <laughs> because yeah. they come up with these these uh, ideas that, in theory, sound really good. Right, but if they're not going to work, yeah, it's such an honor. Like honestly, I feel like what because that privilege and honor of working with people one on one, it is the most rich and rewarding. Um, school and everything, like you're learning every day as you're just helping yeah. people. But it, you, if it's not practical, it's not gonna, you, it won't fly. Yeah. And so it's so true because mm. we can have great ideas. Yeah, I, I, I'm really enjoying, you know, how, how we're tracking yeah, along me too. here me too. Know, with regards because all of us really do want to, you know, experience and and walk with God. And and yet, I think we're living in a world today that we're unfamiliar with, mm-hmm. and and it's almost as though that it's it's uh, pre preconditioning, yeah. you know, people with a particular mindset, and uh, the the uh, what would be normal is no that normal right. has is now gone, right. Yeah. And and I'm finding that people really are living far more reactionary, but then it it filters through into every area of their life where it really hasn't been directly affected, yeah. but now it is. Mm-hmm. And now it now it really is affecting us and our relationship, our children, you know, and all all of these. You know, with regards to you know a, a pandemic and, and the shutdown, and and it's almost as though there's you know this this mindset where I'm I'm missing the permission to really walk with God, or I'm missing the permission that I really have a choice, yep. and and it's and it's almost you know kind of seeping away. And so when your life begins, when you begin to live limited in that way. You know the, the 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 boundaries have been brought in. Last night, I had such an interesting night, if I can say it that way. Uh-huh. <laughs> interesting may not be the word, but I had the most excruciating headache. Wow. I mean, it was just pounding, right? Like nothing I ever had before. Wow. Okay. And so uh, I, I got up, and and here's here's the first thing that came to my mind. Yeah. Oh no, I got this COVID thing. Mm-hmm. Really? I did. You know that was the thought. And it's just huh. like, you know, I've been so good. I've been so this and that. And so then, you know, I wrestled through the night for you know several hours, mm-hmm. and uh, but you know, I I with intention, I really needed to get to to you know, what we describe as my heart zone and mm-hmm. just really commune with the Lord. Yeah. You see, and I and I and that was just so very, very important to me. But I think what happens over time, you know, because you become active and busy and and live limited, if if that's making sense. You know, and and we're missing the invitation to grow. And to develop and to create and to, and, you know, last week we were talking about, you know, being yoked with one another and harmonizing with one another. But just with that real intention, I'm going to move forward here. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I know that our listeners are ones that, you know, they want to move forward. <clears throat> mm-hmm. And yet there's, there, there might be something that's going on 
you know, with regards to me, but now I can't yep. because that, that choice has been taken from me. Hmm. I, I don't know if that makes, you know, mm-hmm. any kind of sense, but you know, today I want to really help people to be able yep. to, it's almost as though take your life back. Yeah. Yep. You know, yeah. Take your life back today. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, sadly, people, Christians, tend to have this idea that sincerity is enough. Hmm. If I'm sincere, right. if I'm really sincere and being honest with God and, you know, in uh, this journey, then that's enough. And, you know, I just think about, man, I, I can show you dozens of passages of Scripture where people were incredibly sincere and trying to be what they considered to be open with God, mm-hmm. but they really weren't. Mm-hmm. They just mm-hmm. they thought they were because because of how their definitions have come to define it. You know, you think about the you know the Bible says that God gives grace, ability, strength, power, capacity, working from your heart. You know, not earned. Uh, God gives grace to the humble. Mm-hmm. But he resists the proud. Now we we totally, the church has totally destroyed the language and the meanings of those words, because first of all, the word humble. I can remember as a new believer, sitting in church, and and nobody said it like this, but I realized that their concept of humble was you always kind of felt unworthy. Mm-hmm. You always kind of walked with your head down. You didn't ever expect too much, and you didn't really ever speak up very much. And that's not that's not humility. Mm-hmm. You know, when I had my clinic, one of the things I realized is any believer that had that version of of, of humility could never get healed. Hmm. They would come into my clinic. They'd have some. They'd have some problem that was really easy to treat, and one way or another as often as not through self-sabotage, one way or another, they would actually sabotage their healing. When they would start mm. getting better, they would do something irrational. They would they would stop working the plan, you know, and that kind of thing. Now, because you guys work one-on-one with people, and I work one-on-one with people, you know, we're not like these guys, and I'm not saying these guys are bad, but, but I'm just saying, you know, when I, you ever go into a subdivision and you go, well, obviously, the, the same builder built every house in this subdivision with the same blueprint. They might have right, re- right, 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 right. changed it in another direction, but they used the mm-hmm. same blueprint. Right, right, right. You know, prepackaged Christianity is like that. Hmm. It's like I've got this thing that when I preach, people respond really, really well. And so I come out with a prepackaged sense of Christianity that kind of tries to stamp you into a mold. And this might work for a great number of people. It's not, you're not yeah. saying it's bad. You're just saying mm-hmm. it's not it's not individualized. Right. And right. so and so, uh, uh, man, you, you you can't really help anybody that's got a prepackaged version of, of, of what their faith is. Right. So, so God is saying, look, if you'll be humble, so what is humility? Well, humility is that person who is teachable, who mm-hmm. is repentant. I have a repentant attitude. They're seeking God. You know, just think about the scriptures that say pursue righteousness. Yeah. You know, pursue, pursue peace, pursue faith, pursue godliness. 
And so, so, so there are these things that if we're actually genuine, we're really not looking for a pre-planned program. We're looking for the character traits that would cause us to walk in that program, even if we weren't thinking about the program, so to speak. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. In other words, if you have a certain character trait, you will seek righteousness. You just will. Yeah. Because that, that's your character. But mm -hmm. you're not seeking righteousness for any particular benefit or gain, per se. Uh, you're seeking because that's kind of who you are. And so the humble person is always moment by moment ready to surrender their opinion to God's. Mm -hmm. to oh, that's so good. That is such a great def definition of being humble. Yeah. Always ready to surrender your yeah. opinion. Wow. You know, uh, I, I can't remember who it was. This wasn't, wasn't original with me. It was a Baptist preacher back in the early 70s that I heard. Uh, and he said, you know, he says, taking up the cross, the cross is where your will and God's will intersect. Hmm. And you either take up the cross that says, I will go with his will, or you become, or you stay proud and you go with your will. So the proud always has an opinion, and it's usually a fixed opinion about how great they are, a fixed opinion about, you know, what God wants to do in everybody's life and this yeah. sort of thing. Mm -hmm. And so the proud is not is not really open to God. They're open to their opinion. And even when the proud pray, they're not really praying from the perspective of your will be done. They're praying right. from the perspective of I figured out your will. Now bless what I have figured out. Yeah, yeah. So I'm still God <laughs> of this situation. Yes. So, so the word resist is another really interesting word because the word resist means to set over against. It's like, so, so the proud, it's like the Bible says, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. Well, when you look at the word devil, I always tell people that anytime you read anything about the devil in the Bible, you, you need to go conceptual rather than trying to go individual and look at who, a person. You know, the person. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. Because, so you think, okay, the devil is a slander. He's a liar. He's a deceiver. So you look at these mm -hmm. traits, these, these, character traits that he mm -hmm. that define him and, and, he, and this is what he's always using mm -hmm. so if i'm walking in personal deceit personal pride anything that takes hold of my view and my opinion and exalts you know just says this is it this is what we're supposed to be all supposed to be doing then the problem is i i'm walking with the devil i am walking with self-deception I, you know, if I'm, if I'm feeling, if my, if my version of humility is hanging my head down and feeling unqualified, I'm walking with the devil. Yeah. And you know, Paul says really interesting. I, I don't talk about this too much because people would lose their minds over it. But you know, Paul, I believe it's in Ephesians where, where Paul says, look, you know, when you were in the world, you all were under the influence of the devil. You know, he's not saying you were possessed. He said you were all under the influence of the devil mm -hmm, because mm -hmm. anything that is, is, is in contradiction or compromise to God's word, this not only means that I have surrendered to, you know, self-deceit and, and all this kind of stuff. It actually means I've kind of locked arms with the devil and said, I'm going to walk through this life the way you say right. is spiritual. Right. And it's interesting how we, every day, I think that we have opportunities to be humble and surrender our opinion 
I, I think it's, for me, it's so daily. Like today when I went on my walk, I could feel myself thinking a certain direction that was moving towards some judgment towards yep. someone. You know, I just, and you know, when you can catch yourself, because yep. you can do this, if you're, you can start oh, yeah. analyzing something and get into judgment towards someone. And I, I, I'm glad I caught it quite early. And I just felt the voice of my heart, the voice of God in my heart saying, hey, let's take a day off from thinking about that person yeah. or talk or talking about them. Can you yeah. just take a day off of that? Because it's not going to serve you well. Mm-hmm. Like, can you surrender your opinion right now? Right. Really, really, now that you've mentioned the definition of humility, will you surrender your opinion about that person? Because yep. that, that's just not going to serve you. But otherwise, people. it's sort of like, I mean, and people just don't want to accept this. Otherwise, it's sort of like saying, yes, Satan. I will harmonize with you, and we will destroy this person. We will, we will, yeah. we will slander them. We'll destroy yeah. their reputation. And then you're saying, no, 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 I love them. They're close to me. I love that person. Oh. But it's like, well, you're not thinking loving thoughts. Right. You know what I mean? So the word resist, remember, means to set over against. So okay. see, re, uh, uh, you know, resisting is not fighting. That's a mm. great. That's a big theological misnomer. I'm telling you, the word resist means set against. So, so. If I'm walking along, I suddenly discover, you know, I, I am in the slander zone. I yeah. am in the criticism yes. zone. I'm in the judgment, judgment. zone or yeah. whatever. Or I'm just clinging to my opinion. I, you know, I'm yes. asking God to bless my plan instead of me seeking to yes. live in his plan is always blessed. So what right. happens is the moment I repent, I, I actually change direction. So now I am directly opposed to I'm walking you know, whereas before I was walking side by side with, with, you know, the, the destroyer. Now yeah. I have turned. I'm standing in direct opposition, and he can't stand before me. If I trust God, ah. this is, that's why he flees from me. Because the moment I go with the truth and turn against him, turn against Lucifer, it's like it's like face to face. I'm facing you, and I see you. Yeah. He's gone. Yeah. Yeah. So here, remember, taking that scripture that Paul talked about and uh, understanding that, you know, if I'm not surrendered to the Lordship of Jesus, if I am not always teachable and repentant, then I will be continually, even though not intentional, I will be continually in harmony with the person that has one one set of goals for me to steal, kill, and eventually destroy me. Mm-hmm. And so, so we, you know, good people that are sincere people are not necessarily people who have, who are humble before God. I mean, they're good people. They want to walk mm-hmm. with God. They want to get solutions, but now you got to get kind of practical here you know, our approach to Christianity, and here, here, I always like for things to be measurable. Mm. You know, uh, you guys know, and you know, I still do all kinds of medical experiments and, mm. and I'm always researching how to help people have better health, spiritually, you know, physically, emotionally. Well, you know, I will have people come to me. It's like, Oh, Dr. Jim, you, you got to look at this. This is, this is like the most phenomenal thing that's, that, that you can ever use to solve this problem. I'm like, okay, then show me the research. And, and you know, there's a, a particular doctor that I think, I'm not going to call his name, but I think he presents some of the best research on the market. But the interesting thing is I've never met one person that benefits by using the products he produces. 
Not one. I mean, I'm sure there are people that do, but I have never met them. And I've asked every person that's ever talked to me about being excited about this guy. Man, this guy is so intelligent. He, 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 mm-hmm. I'm, I, you know, I don't criticize the guy. Too. I said, well, good. No. Tell me what you're doing. Okay. And how is that working for yeah, you? Yeah, and that's the, that's, that's yeah. the question. So how's it yeah. working? Yeah. And well, well, you know, it takes a while. What's for, changed? They'll say it takes for a while, a while for it to work. I'm like, okay, well then, <laughs> call me back in six weeks or whatever. Let's talk about it then. You know, when is this actually working? It's amazing how many people would spend thousands of dollars, go through months of a regimen, and then finally go. Because someone's what? been very convincing. This ain't getting any better. I don't think that doctor's trying to deceive. No. I just think he is. See. Doctors, and by and large, are good people who want to help people. Yes. But yes. yet their mentality has been shaped by Big Pharma. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and you know, even the way Big Pharma tests medicine is a joke. Uh, I, I, I won't go into all the details of it, but it is a joke. You know, the, what kills more people than anything else in the world. Matter of fact, probably kills more people annually than everything in America we face combined is the FDA. Hmm. Every year between 300,000 and 800,000 people die from treatment by allopathic medicine. Hmm. And nobody's asking any questions about it. And, hmm. and because of the way it's promoted, people just keep doing it. So, so Christians are kind of over here in this arena that's almost like the same thing. It's like the big preachers are like big farmer. Or, or maybe they're like preachers. Maybe they're like doctors who say, I really want to help you. I'm, man, I'm, you know, and, and, and I'm going to school to learn all this stuff, and, and I'm reading books to learn all this stuff. But I'm reading books by people that aren't producing anything. Right. You know, they say they are, but then when you start really tracking down the results, and you know, I'm the kind of guy that's like, okay, give me a list of names. I won't call them. Yeah. And I know they're going to give me their best list, but I'm still going to call them. You know, I was in, I used to minister in Africa a lot, and I was in South Africa, and uh, the most famous uh charismatic healing preacher in the world came to this church to speak and me and the, me and the pastor got to be buddies and he was always, he got to where he was asking me, well, what are you doing these things? I said, I don't, I don't put it with it. I said, I just don't play the game. I am not here to help them build their ministries. I'm not here to make them anybody look better. I am here to serve people. And if what they do doesn't serve people, I'm not going to be mean. I'm not going to be a, an attack dog. But I am gonna I am gonna change directions. I am gonna turn mm-hmm. and be in opposition in the sense of we need to talk about this and you need to prove to me that this works. So here's what this guy did. At you know, this guy, like a lot of these guys that have healing ministries, and I'm not against healing ministries, I love healing ministries. But this particular guy, you know, he uh uh he had a doctor that traveled with him, and this doctor, uh, after this guy would preach and and, and start, you know, calling people up to testify about what happened to them during the altar call, this doctor would be the one to interview interview them and share the testimony. And he was mm-hmm. the one, and every meeting they would go to, man, almost everybody that came up, this doctor said, oh, this person was healed of this. And then, and so sent up. So, so my buddy, after me and him talked, he had had this guy scheduled to come in. So what he did was 
He arranged for something to happen so the doctor could not make it to the platform to be the one to validate the healings. Really? He, he sent one of his staff members up there. Mm. Well, you know what the result was? He told me not one legitimate healing took place. And this guy would normally have wow. hundreds and hundreds of people come up wow. and testify. Wow. And he said his guy told him people would say, well, I sort of felt this, or you know what I mean? I kind of I kind of felt warm for a minute, and, or just something very, very yeah. vague. Vague, yeah. And so, you know, he said, how would you handle this? I said, well, I wouldn't start a fight with a guy. I, I would just tell him the truth. I just, yeah. I'm, I'm not having you back again, and here's yeah. why. And, you know, I'm not against you, and I will help you search for some answers. But yeah. if you're going to do this, I'm never having you right. back again. Right, right, that's right. Just, that's just the way I do it. Yeah. So <clears throat> you, you get these preachers that are like doctors. They are passionate to help people. Mm-hmm. But the problem is like doctors reading books that are scientifically 60, 80 years out of date. I mean, yeah. we know enough about quantum science now, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. quantum physics. We know enough about that. There should not be a... There shouldn't be hardly any allopathic medicine anywhere in the world. Everything should be done today by energy work. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they could do it. They have the science to do it. They ain't going to mm-hmm. do it. Ain't enough money in it. And it's not the doctors. <laughs> it's the big pharma teaching them to do that. So, right. But that's what preachers are doing. Preachers are reading books by people that are... Sometimes pretty good stuff. I mean, sometimes pretty good stuff. And I'm not saying it couldn't become workable, but the problem is their model, their plan becomes the thing that they're saying, God, I'm doing this for you, so you need to bless it. And God is saying, No, you need to be doing what I'm doing. <laughs> you know, we you need to harmonize with me and not with your ego or not with your intellect. So all of that to say then, this ends up most of these guys really believe that all the people that stand up and say they got healed in their meeting, they really believe it happened. I mean, they really do. They're not, they're not trying to be deceitful. They're not trying to mislead anybody. They actually believe that all these codependent flakes that stand up and want to get up on the platform and talk about that, how they got healed because they felt a warm feeling. They think it's real. And so they don't have anybody that says this ain't working. You guys, and because I work a lot one-on-one with people, we have, you know, dozens of people or hundreds of people every year that say, you know what, I'm I'm trying what you're telling me, but this isn't working. Mm -hmm. And then Mm -hmm. we have to join with them and start seeking God to, to, you know, to find a path for them to walk on Mm -hmm. and find something that's biblically related. But one of the things we also have to do is we have to, have to find out what they mean when they say, I did what you taught me to do. Mm-hmm. Because most of the time when they say that, they didn't. Right. They either are exaggerating, straight up lying, or misunderstand, and they're doing it from well, a different heart. Well, you know heart. what? When you're not getting results, then something isn't happening. I mean, you, when you, you make it a mathematical equation, this plus this equals this, 
Well, if you know in our experience with helping people, if you do this and you do this, yep. you are going to experience this, especially if it's individual. Like in a relationship, yes, it takes two people to work together, yep. but you each person does their part in their equation. Yep. And, you know, just last night we were helping a, a, a couple through some issues and um, I we had, we had given them homework yep. and I gave some very specific homework and the, the one, per, the, the guy in the couple didn't do the homework. You know, and that no one was talking about. And I said, listen, I've just because I've helped them so many weeks after weeks, I said, I've got to bring attention to this, that um, there's, you know, I want to just let you be aware that you did. I know that you did not do your homework. I, yep. I, you did not do this. And he immediately said, well, you didn't make it clear. He, 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 he but, OK, but you, he, they have invented this thing, <laughs> telephone, email, text. Yeah. You know, all of this. Could I ask a question? Could he? Well, that, that was actually what he was supposed to do. He yeah. was supposed to text me on Friday and Saturday. They both were to ask me what their assignment would be over the weekend. Mm -hmm. She texted me all weekend long and I kept giving her more and more to do over the weekend. And I didn't hear from him once. Nope. And he says, you know what? I, I thought that you were supposed to text me. I said, oh, I'm sorry. He goes, I guess it's okay. I'm like, Wow. <laughs> Well, in a case like that, that is a person. You know, well, let me just kind of give you some interesting insight. You, you know, you all know I was a state certified substance abuse counselor for a number of years. Yeah, yes, yes. And so, you know, I had to go through a lot of training. And I, and, but I had, I've got decades of working with substance abusers. Mm -hmm. One of the most important things I learned, I didn't learn much new when I went through substance abuse training because I'd been a substance abuser. I knew what we did. <laughs> you know, I, I didn't need anybody explaining this to You have to study me. yourself, yes. So, but I tell you, this was one of the most important things that I ever learned. And this, and so the teacher was teaching this class and he's a friend of mine he, and he's a counselor, you know, he's a substance counselor. He said, now, one of the things you better keep in mind, mm -hmm. he says, when you do your intake, now mm -hmm. intake is where we gather information and see if we can understand on some level what the person's problem is. Mm -hmm. So that we can create a treatment plan that matches the problem. And that's what we should do as preachers. Yes. That's what we yes. should do as counselors. Exactly what we should do. Yes. And so and so he, he said, one thing you better realize, he says, if you leave anything vague, anything unclear, or if any way there's anything that you can say where that person could use as you An said excuse. you would do this. Right, right, right. You're going to fix me. You know, you know. Yeah. He yeah. said. He, he said the minute they find that, that's the that's what they're looking for. They're sitting there listening. Yeah. For the place, and he said, and once you give them that, he said they decide right then how they're going to fail and how they're going to blame it on you. And yeah, and that's like exactly what happened. They decided that yeah. it'll be my fault. And yeah. so you know. And the sad thing is, we tend to let people do that. Mm -hmm. Now, I don't, because right. my, my thing is this. If people come in for counseling and they don't do their homework and they don't do their follow-through, then what they're going to do is, in their heart, they're going to say, look, God can't even help me. And they're going to go out and tell everybody, man, I got counseling. I did, every, I did everything I was told to do, and I tell you, it didn't help me a bit. Well, you know what that's going to do? That's going to discourage everybody they talk to. And I, yeah. I ain't going to let it happen. I don't care if they go and tell people they don't like me. I don't yes. care if they go yes. and tell people that I was that I was too mean to them or something like that. Right. But they ain't going to go out and tell people that they worked a plan 
and uh, but, yeah, because and the I, plan didn't work for them. Yeah, yeah. They, they ain't yeah. gonna do that. So <clears throat> here's the question we have to ask, and this is the question every person has to ask themselves: How can I really know? If I'm actually growing, or if it's or if it's circumstantial, or if it's just momentary, or how how can I know? How can I know that I'm growing? How can I know that I'm developing? How can I know that I'm getting into harmony with God? And because so much of what people hear and learn in Christianity is number one very subjective, it's all about how you feel. Well, I don't know about you, but I have a lot of days where I get it and feel like everything's all right, and it's not. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you know, uh, I, you know, when I was a kid, I had a lot of days where I'd go to school and think, nobody knows what I did. I'm not in trouble. <laughs> I'd be wrong. I'd be burning principles off and getting the daylight beat out of me. And so, so you know, subjective feelings, I mean, they're good, and, and I, I'm not, I don't put them down, but subjective feelings are not standards of measurement, uh, mm. our measurements of, of, of success. Yeah, yeah. So what is? You know, that's that's mm -hmm. the question. That's, that's a, a very good question. So <clears throat> another thing that we're faced with, you know, you know, we're doing here today. I hope all of our, I hope all of our guests understand. We're doing the same thing we always do, and we introduce a new concept. We're laying a big old foundation. Yes, we are. Yes, so we are. that you don't get it wrong. Mm -hmm. And and blame it on me. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, one of the th there are. Let's talk a minute about self sabotage. Okay. Because because the majority of believers fail because of self sabotage. Mm -hmm. Yes. So we have to remember Proverbs 4, is it 419? Bob, where is it? 419 is where it says, you know, King James says, guard your heart above all that you keep, uh, for out of it flows the issues of life. I think mm -hmm. I think it's 419 or 4 or something. So anyhow. Mm -hmm. I'll, 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 I'll confirm it. Okay. So anyhow, the, the, the word issues there could have and probably should have been translated as Con, as boundaries. Right, right. So now the, the, there are boundaries, and boundaries are healthy mm -hmm. because boundaries determine how far you can go moving outward and progressing and succeeding and living. And they make things clear. Oh, yeah. But boundaries also determine what you will let into your life. Yeah. So you know your 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 boundaries are established by your belief, but most predominantly by the belief of who you are in Jesus. What is your identity? Mm -hmm. You know, if I think I'm a dog, then I'm going to bark and chase cars. Right. You know, but uh, if I think I'm if I think I'm a human being, then I'm going to you know I'm going to stand up and go to the table and eat and and you know and not pee on car tires. You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> That's the sign you always look for. So, <laughs> so what scripture was that, Bob? 
It, it is 23. Oh, 23. Or, yeah, I was going to, but then I thought, no, it's it's Dr. Jimmy. He's always right. No, you no, know? no. I, that's that's one of those scriptures I always get miss the reference because I generally read that passage as a whole and yeah. work it from a whole, you know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. yeah. From from 20 to 23 yeah. is 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 the passage no. you want to look at, yeah. So, so, so stop and think about it. So here I am. And I think I think of the heart like like a thermostat, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and and I think of the settings when you set that thermostat. That's like establishing a belief that creates a boundary. Mm-hmm. So let's say you set your thermostat on auto, which means it can produce heat or or cool. Mm-hmm. And so let's say you, you set that on auto and you, you put it on, you know what here in the states would be seventy degrees, seven, right. you know whatever, <laughs> and. Uh, so what happens then, if in that room it starts to warm up and it gets, you know, and every thermostat set a little different, it'll let you go, the thermostat will always let you go over the temperature, you know, mm-hmm. however many degrees yeah. it sets. So, so let's say it's set to go, let you go two degrees over. Mm-hmm. So you're, you know, it's getting warmer and warmer and warmer, and now it's 72 degrees. Yeah. So when that thing clicks over to 73 air conditioner comes on immediately. Ah. Oh, okay. And the air conditioner now brings the temperature in the room back inside the defined boundaries. I want to bring it back to wow. 70 degrees. Wow. Wow. That's the way your heart is. Your heart, let's say that expansion represents success and getting better and solving okay. problems just mm-hmm. for the this illustration. So that means that really if you succeed beyond how you see yourself and what you believe about you and God. If you succeed beyond that, then once you get to 73 degrees, you get three degrees better than what your life is right now. Your heart kicks ah. in and says, I'm going to pull you back within these this boundary that you have defined by your belief. Wow. Well, by the same token, Let's say that whatever, you have a discouraging day and you're kind of getting in a compromising frame of mind. And, and mm-hmm. so, so, so maybe today you're a little more snarky with people or a little more smart aleck with people. Mm-hmm. And, and so now that means now you're, the temperature is going down. It's condensing. Right. It's closing in. You're getting smaller right. as a person. Well, the, yeah. the great thing is, is your heart, once, you're, once you get down to, say, 68 degrees is like, okay, you can goof off and be stupid, you know, two degrees. But once you go to 67, the heat's going to kick on. And it's going to bring you back to this this standard, this boundary, this perimeter that says, that says, I live within this boundary. Yeah. Not a smaller boundary, not a bigger boundary. Yes. So what we understand about the heart is this. When your life gets better than you think you deserve, and this is not on a conscious level, you know some of the most, some of the meanest people I've ever known were positive people. Positive confessions, you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, believing for success, always saying stuff the proper way to say it, and they're just some of the meanest, judgmental, most critical people I've ever seen because. Because they're really not doing something from their heart. They're intellectually passing judgments about 
why you did this, why you did that, why you... I had a woman come up to me, a British woman. I'll tell you, she used to come to my church. i tell you, I can't tell you how many times I just wanted to smack this woman senseless, but I didn't waste my time because she was already senseless. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So so one day in a, in a sermon I was preaching, you know, I used the term, you know, I want to do this. Well, mm-hmm. you know, words mean what they mean to a particular culture. Mm-hmm. So, you know, in most of the world, particularly down south, if you say, I want to do something, there's nothing negative about something. All you're doing is say, I have a desire to do do this. Yes, yes. And so, man, she actually, she left my church over this. She came up and she said, how dare you stand up here and, and use that kind of negative vocabulary? I said, I don't know what you're talking about. And she said, want is, is negative. Want identifies the feeling of lack. Want, you know, using that word means this and means this. I said, well, it may mean that to you. It doesn't mean right. that to me or anybody here. Right. And so she wanted to argue with it. I just said, look, you, you know, you, you think you're positive. You think you're all, you know, all about all the healthy ways to say it and do it. I said, but really, you're just judgmental and mean. Yeah. And you and I said, you, you know, you can't run around passing a judgment about what everybody means. You can ask. And if you yeah. discover that they mean something negative, then you can help sure. them through it. But you can't just go up and jump on them. But that's the way most quote, quote, positive people are. They're just hmm. mean in a way that makes them they're look holding smart. It, it's like they're holding everyone up to their standards yeah. of how they use language yeah. or how, yes, I a- understand. Exactly. Yeah. They're always on, they're like the p- positive police. Yeah. And yeah. So now remember your heart is your sense of identity. The yes. beliefs of the heart, the primary beliefs of the heart define who you think you are. Mm-hmm. So the thing that a human being fears the most is dying to self or just dying. And then dying to self becomes a journey to dying. Yeah. And so, so you know, nobody wants to die. Everybody fears dying to self. So mm-hmm. we've talked about this thousands of times. The mind always seeks to prove that you are right and that's your ego that's your false sense of identity but that's really nothing mm-hmm. but your ego I, I prove who i am by winning arguments i prove right. who i am by forcing yeah. my opinion i prove who i am because now that i've decided to believe this about god i'm not going to believe anything else i'm not going to be teachable god himself cannot teach me because yeah. i'm right and I prove who I am by impressing others. Yeah. Or, you know, they just depend on who oh, you it are. Can go, it can go into a whole dimension yes. of ego, yes. ego, ego-driven ego, issues. Yeah, yes, yes, yes. The heart, on the other hand, seeks to preserve your identity. Now, you can have a bad identity because you got bad beliefs, but you can have a great identity because you got biblical beliefs. You're walking with God, you're surrendering to God, and all that kind of stuff. So you have to realize when your life gets better than you deserve, that means whoever you think you are at this moment has to die. You can't be that person mm. and this person. And so immediately, it's a it's a sense of facing yes. death. Yes, yes. And so the heart says, I'm, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to protect your identity, but I'm going to keep you alive. So I'm not going to let you die by believing you can have a better life than you've had before. Because that'll make you mm. die. You'll be di- And the, that's where the mind jumps in. Like, you'll be disappointed. You'll fail. You remember, you always fail when you do that. I mean, you know, who knows all the internal dynamics that, that come Yeah, and dialogue. This. Yes, yes. So, you know, what I have discovered from years of doing heart work, des- uh, really decades of doing heart work, mm. is that 
it's not enough to help a person develop their right beliefs. I have to take that person on a journey where they can make that journey without having the impulse or the need to self-sabotage. Because remember, inwardly, that is not self-sabotage. Inwardly, that is saving their life. Hmm. Isn't that trippy? Because you, it doesn't make sense in your logical brain, but you no. are living brain, but you are living from your heart. Yeah. As well, for me, you know, trying to draw a, a bit of a word picture with this uh-huh. is that, you know, earlier we were talking about resist. Mm-hmm. You see, and so to set over and against. And so here I am, you know, now... I want to set over and against, you know, this limiting belief that I have, you see, and Jim, you said, you know, this is where we face death. Yeah. You see, this is where, you know, in my resisting, I turn and I face it and the enemy, the lie, it has to flee. I have to face it. And then I create a larger capacity for light for life, love. Because you look it right in the face. Because I've, yeah. I've turned and I've looked it in the face. That's right, Bob. That's so good. And we have to realize, I, and one of the things I got out of what you said there, I am going to either harmonize with God or I'm going to mm-hmm. harmonize with death. Right. Wow. Yeah, mm. If I harmonize with God, I accept who he says I am. And then I start doing heart work and da-da-da-da-da. Yeah. And I, and I right. start stepping into that new yeah. identity and it becomes mm-hmm. my new yeah. normal. And yes. now I I have reestablished new boundaries. Because see, the Bible yeah. says, write my word on your heart. It says, you know, uh, establish you know your heart in this. And da-da-da-da-da. So the Bible always teaches that it is your responsibility mm-hmm. to decide what the, where the boundaries are going to be. Yeah. yeah. Last night, and that was, you know, the, the essence of the story I was trying to share is that last night I hit that headache and it's just like, wait a minute. No, I'm, I'm not going to go down that, you know, I'm not going to allow this right. to define me. Right. Right. You see, and so. You had to face it. Right. But you, you could have harmonized with that. Uh, you you could have yes. walked with it. Yes. And, and, and that's, that's where I'm saying, you know, we're living with a perceived new normal yes. and 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 it's almost as though people are being lulled asleep and you know what we're you know inviting people to to possibly see is that but yet I am so sincere mm-hmm. in my walking with God I am so sincere in following him yeah and yet when I Feel the 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 resistance. You walk with it. You harmonize with mm-hmm. it. Yeah, you harmonize with right. that instead yeah. of fa- turning around, right. resisting it, and facing it head on. Like mm-hmm. what you're talking. What's perfect example with your headache is like, yeah, yeah. I'm, and so, you know, with uh, Proverbs, you know, four twenty three. You know, I want to enlarge the capacity. Yeah. I want to change the thermostat setting of my heart. Exactly. So we'll introduce this and maybe we'll, hmm. we'll see maybe next week. Yeah. If, if we can then start getting into other dimensions of, okay. of this. So when, when most of us think about change, you know, one of the most interesting, you know, I love teaching on quantum physics. 
Uh, I'm not a scientist, so, you know, I'm always having to use other people's information. But, you know, quantum physics mirrors in the universe how our heart works. And that's why I called, that's why I called my program Heart Physics. Mm-hmm, because mm-hmm. because the Bible says that the invisible things of God can be seen through, uh, or, or can be understood through the creation that can be seen. So if yes. I'm willing to see the creation the way it is, then mm. then I'm able to then I'm able to understand things about my heart, things about God. Mm. So when people start thinking about change and transformation or whatever they would happen to call it, generally they pick some really big monumental goal. Mm. And man, yeah. they can show you that goal in the Bible. They can read you scriptures about that yeah. goal. They will walk around confessing that goal, <laughs> but the majority of people will actually never take more than a few little baby steps toward actually living and fulfilling that goal. Mm. Because the fact is, setting now, there, there's a paradox here. I can say this is where I'm going, mm-hmm. but I have to have this realization that's not where I'm going today. Right. You know, I'm going there. I, I'm, I'm, I'm going to take myself to the place where I believe it is mine now, and I'm going to abide in that until it permeates my physical being, my emotional being, all that kind of stuff. But that doesn't mean I'm just going to get up tomorrow and, and be a millionaire, if, you know, if I want to be a millionaire. Yes, right, right, right. So... Part of self-sabotage starts right there in setting too big of a goal. I was going to say, it starts at the very beginning with the goal. Yep. So that person sets a big old goal. Subconsciously, they probably don't realize it. But that goal is so big that the truth is at some point, it's going to become overwhelming, uh, intimidating, and discouraging. And it's going to make them feel Mm. like a failure. Now, when they get that way, see, here's the thing. When we get to those kinds of failures, particularly based on the word of God, we will blame God that they're not working. Mm-hmm. We will say, you know, this is the root of bitterness that grace, that says about falling from grace. You know, falling from grace is not losing your salvation. Falling from grace is leaving that realm where you rely on the grace of God to make things come to pass in your life and working you know, from your heart and all that kind of stuff. And so when, when you move into any type of legalism, uh, you know, uh, unrealism, whatever, then what happens, uh, you're, you're, you, you'll end up working the plan or whatever and putting your faith in the plan. But the real truth is your faith is not in God. The real truth is you are not doing anything to change your heart you have just uh, set up a new goal. And see, really, that goal failing is what will keep you alive so that you can keep being the you same keep, person. You never have to die yourself. Living, you don't have to die to self. Living yeah. within that boundary. And now you can live within your own smaller no. boundary. And so, but you got an excuse. I tried, it didn't work. So. Yeah. One of the things we want to go into next week Interesting. is one of the most important uh, concepts uh, that I think uh, that I think you can you have to get a hold of if you want to be if you want mm-hmm. to be a a biblical supernatural God thinker you got you got to get a hold of <laughs> the principle of the microcosm and macrocosm. Mm. Now, 
a microcosm is, is when you look at something at the smallest possible way to observe it. Micro is little. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So this means you might, you know, you might watch a bug and see how it develops. This, this is why we do medical <laughs> experiments on animals. It's because mm-hmm. we're doing the microcosm, and then we bring that to the more complicated human body, the macrocosm, to see that. Well, you know, there's a, there's an old there's an old um, I don't remember if it's Chinese, Japanese, Hebrew. I don't remember, but there's a, a saying that called you know it's like it's like microcosm, macrocosm. There's a saying that says, "As below, so above," and that's the same principle. And the print. As below, so above. That brings you into this thing that says, if I understand anything about how it is above, and so this is where it gets into binding and loosing, using your authority, the finished work of Jesus. If I if I understand any of this stuff, then I know how to apply those exact same yes. principles in my life here. Right. Now, what religion has done, religion has done with the Word of God, exactly what doctors have done with the human body. They ignore the microcosm. And see, man Mm -hmm. is in between. There's the microcosm, there's man, and then there's the macrocosm. And the first letter of the Hebrew alphabet says that man is the one who harmonizes heaven and earth. And we harmonize heaven and earth because we understand, based on the word of God, what has happened in heaven. Mm. And then when we see how it works in heaven, how it, you know, how this was laid out by God, then by using our faith and but trusting that, then we can define that in our life. And suddenly now our life is in is in harmony, harmony. with God and the finished work of Jesus. Yeah. But see. Medical doctors, and they've been trained to do this, these are good people who want to help people, who want to get people well. Some of them make incredible sacrifices. I mean, good grief. How many years does the average medical doctor have to work to pay off his student loan? I mean, you know, it's like these, these guys are making incredible sacrifices, and most of them that I have, I know many of them that were just your typical ego-driven, I am God medical doctor. But man, I have known so many wonderful medical doctors that, their passion was just to help people. And uh, so, but but if you ignore either the microcosm or the macrocosm, then you look at the human body, for example, and you say there is no similarity between anything else that happened on planet Earth or in the heavens and the human body. So really, I can just kind of make, I can just map out how I'm going to do this. You know, I, I don't think you need a gallbladder, so you want to do I'm going to take it out. Well, now, you know, you look at the you look at the the macrocosm, and you realize every part of the macrocosm works because of the harmony that exists within the microcosm, which means mm. every organ in the human body works to maintain a balance, an energetic balance that we call health. Well, see, preachers kind of do that. It's sort of like they've segmented the Word of God up into all of these different things. And I'm not even saying that their beliefs are necessarily wrong, but I'm saying if they do not harmonize them together and understand that this is about who we are. You know, who we are is the macrocosm, as far as spiritually speaking, and, and who we are 
comes up because of the logos where we take every single thing God says and every part of this contributes to every other part of who I, you know, who I am. And so, so when, when I want to help somebody, I am not going to start them on the macrocosm. I'm going to start them on the microcosm, mm-hmm. the smallest, easiest thing you can do. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, I talked about, when I was doing, I was doing a series on, on, uh, uh, on quantum, I was using a lot of quantum science in it. And I was talking about when, you know, when we built the first atomic bomb. Up until that point, the only way you could make a bomb more powerful was to put more explosives together. And so, you know, bombs just got bigger and bigger and bigger. And it reached yeah. a place to where it wasn't practical. You couldn't it, manage yeah, it's them. not yet. You, you couldn't even deliver them to the place that you wanted to blow up because they were so right. big. Right. And so volatile. And so scientists start saying, well, you know what? What if instead of trying to create this big explosion, what if we could just figure out how to split the atom, the smallest thing that at that time that they understood? Mm-hmm. And what was interesting, I, and I used that whole example, and I went through and I went through how that works in faith. And you know, we're trying to use faith from the perspective of I'm gonna I'm gonna change something phenomenal, you know, something I've never done before, but I'm gonna do it today. I'm telling you, and how we fail. And I start talking about how that, you know, what if we just we're gonna split the atom, so to speak, instead of yeah. trying to bring about this one great big phenomenal thing. What if we just went into our heart and dealt with, yeah, maybe one belief. What if we just did that one no. belief? Well, what was interesting, a woman came up to me after that, after that service. Her grandfather was one of the primary inventors of the first atomic bomb. Wow. Wow. And she said, everything you said today is exactly how my grandfather explained it to me. Wow. So there is a scripture, and I'm going to read this and I'm done because this is as much introduction stuff, I think, <laughs> as we can put out here. Yes, yes. Uh, We're all ready for next week already. <laughs> oh, yeah. So, so like over in Luke 16, uh, 9, uh, Jesus is, well, I'm not, let's not start in 9 because that, that's going to require some other explanations. Let's start in verse 10. Verse 10, Luke 16 says this, He who is faithful over what is least is or mm. will be also faithful in what and much. And he who is unjust and what is least will be unjust also and what is much. Now, this didn't say if you're faithful in the least, you will will grow into being faithful in in the big stuff. Mm -hmm. It's saying if you are, because it's Mm -hmm. a matter of heart. Yes, it is. A person who is faithful in their heart. Mm-hmm. It's just faithful. It's just who they are. It doesn't matter if it's big, it doesn't yeah. matter if it's small, it doesn't matter what it is. But a mm-hmm. person who is not, they will lie to themselves. They will convince themselves that, well, you know, if this was really important, I would be faithful. Mm, probably not. Not if it's a way of life for you to be unfaithful and little things. Little things like showing up on time. Little things like keeping your word when you give it. Little things like paying money that you borrow, paying it back. Uh, you know, uh, I, I, I looked down here. I looked down here the other day, and, and I was going through my toolbox. I can't even find, you know, about a thousand dollars worth of tools where people have borrowed them and never brought them back. 
Mm-hmm. Well, you know something? When they pick up that tool at their house, they go, oh, I need to take this back to Jim. And then you know what they do? Then they put it in their toolbox and forget it. Right, right. You right. know what that's called? Theft. Yeah. So we think that we're not thieves, liars, immoral. We think that we're not any of these negative things because we only do these things in the small stuff. Mm-hmm, hmm But all yeah. the small pieces come together to determine the macrocosm of who I am, which means this is what I will do when my back's against the wall, when my family's life is on the line, when I'm tempted in certain situations. This is what I will do in the big things that will destroy my life. Yeah. So, and we will get into this. We can get into this next week. We, we, we want to do with our friends that are with us today, we want to do with you what we do with the people we counsel one-on-one. Mm-hmm. We want to give you a bunch of little steps and, right. and you start developing your heart and you start developing faithfulness in all of these little things, all these little opportunities that you have every single day and you will turn around one day and you will realize, you know what? I never tried to fulfill any great opportunities, but I am. And I got here without even trying to get here because I was just faithful in the opportunities that I had. And that brought me to this point. So if you want to learn, if you want to learn how to live a life that fulfills your wildest dreams, if you want to learn how to live a life where you have great victories, if you want to learn how to live a life really where all the petty, you know, the Bible says it's the little foxes that spoil the vine. Your Mm -hmm. life is being destroyed over a bunch of little insignificant things where you just refuse to be faithful in those things because you convince yourself they don't count. Right. And even the way you said resi- that we can resist. You oh, can yeah. resist You resist whatever that is. Yeah. And face it, turn around. I loved your word picture, Jim, yep. with turning around it and facing it. And I will say that, I mean, I, I can only do my life, you guys. Yep. I can only tell you about my life. But one of my big things that I want... I'm going to say it, I want in this life is a happy, joyful, peaceful family with my kids and hopefully one day in my generations. Mm -hmm. But I am saying that today I had an opportunity to choose. We've set our thermostat in our home to mercy. Mm -hmm. That's that's what our temperature is set up Mm -hmm. at mercy, joy, peace, affection, warmth. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. In our, in our family dynamic, that's where it's set. And it was the smallest little thing that I could have had an offense about. Mm. And I and today, and immediately the Lord caught me and said, don't start thinking like that yep. because it will, it, it's yeah. the ma- most macro atom. Like it's the smallest mm. little thing. It was the littlest thing. But don't go there. Yep. Don't start. If you if your house is set at mercy, don't talk behind people's back. Yep. Don't don't wish that people were more like you. You know, let the you know what I'm saying. All those things yep. that yep. that that can start to happen. So anyway, I just wanted to encourage people with that. That how you think changes yep. things. That's, that's a, the that's macro. a microcosm. That's, that's a, little, a that's micro. That's the little thing you can control. The you know, thought. It, but you know the crazy thing when you think about your family. See, so yeah. we immediately try to jump into the macrocosm. So I'm going to change right. this person. I'm going to change no, that person. No, you change your thoughts about out. that person. Well, the truth is, first, just be faithful. Just be faithful. You know, you know, like yes. Matthew yes. seven when it talks about not judging. Is, right. Is like, look, just don't worry about. Yeah. What's in their eye? Worry about what's in your eye. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Anyway, that was that was my. 
Good. That was my practical for me, and I hope that helps others as well. And thank mm-hmm. you, Jim, because I'm very intrigued by the macro micro mm-hmm. stuff. Mm-hmm. And you know where we began today is that we want to guard our heart above all else. That's right. For out of it does establish the boundaries of our life, both good and negative. Yeah, you know that's true. With with a broad, wide open space or limited, you know, restraining. And so I believe, you know, as we continue with each other, you know, we will recognize more clearly the deceitfulness of sin. Yeah. And because of that, the Lord's going to heal our heart Mm -hmm. and there will be a softening and we'll be able to adjust the thermostat of our lives. I love it. All right. Good. See you next time, guys. This has been awesome. Thank you, Jim. Thank you, Jim. Uh, thank Thanks, you my dear friends, for walking along this journey with us. And we'll see you next time. Bye.